Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Jesus loves me, this I know, for his very word tells me so. In John 17, 23, my Savior speaks these words. He says, I in them, thou in me that they be made perfect in one, I in them, thou in me, that they be made perfect in one, and that the world would know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me, and that the world would know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. He's placed his love deep in our hearts, for upon each one to overflow. By his love will all be known that we are Jesus' very own, because I in him, thou in me, that I may be made perfect in one, I in them, thou in me, that he be made perfect in one. And that the world would know that thou hast sent me, then has loved them as thou hast loved me. And that the world would know that thou hast sent Jesus, and hast loved him as thou hast loved his Son. Jesus loves me, this I know. Amen. Hello, hello, once again, Kingdom Corner. I wanted to try to share an old song with you that sang years and years ago because it really ties in with what we'll be sharing today. I want to get into John 17 a bit. And what we're going to do today, before we get into John 17, it's connected with what I'm going to share today. It's connected with our lesson today. And that is we're finishing up about the marriage between a man and a woman in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. We've been there a couple weeks now, and we're going to share from that passage. We're just going to finish up. We only have about three or four verses to go. And last time, let me read it for you, and then we will get into this last part and We will transition over into John 17 because I think that ties right into this. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father, and a woman leave her home, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me read this one verse again. For this reason, verse 31, it's a quote of Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and a mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The title of this last part of husbands and wives typifying the bride of Christ being the first relational, horizontal example that Paul goes into, the title of this one would be one plus one equals one. One plus one, the man plus the woman, equals no longer two, but one. They're one flesh. That's what Genesis 2.24, it's a quote from there. And then he says, but this is a great mystery. Oh, yes, it is. It's a great mystery how this works out and how this is accomplished in God, is it not? And we've been talking about that, about how there's men and women that come together in marriage and they have different opinions, different ideas. But over the years, they grow more and more together in purpose and in, in what they desire, they're one. They're no longer two, but they're one. Yes, there's still two people. They might have different ideas about some things, but they're really one in their love and their purpose. And that typifies the bride of Christ, which is the church, and Jesus, which is the son, which will be the groom, which will be joined. They will be joined together and become one. That is that is the apex of the gospel. That is the apex of the gospel. And I think I want to read this again for you. I want to read this one verse again because of all these verses, 22 to 33, this is, I think, the third or fourth episode here that we've been on. This is the apex of this uh, whole passage. And I just want to go back there for review and then get into verse 28 through 33 and close out and tie in, like I said, John 17. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, all right, to sanctify and cleanse her, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. And again, I want to emphasize the Greek is so beautiful there, the way verse 27 reads, and it reads this way, that he might himself 
present unto himself the church glorious, that he himself, that is Jesus himself, might present unto himself the church glorious. See, he does that work. He prepares us and gets us ready. That he might himself present unto himself the glorious church. Let's read it this way. That he might himself present unto himself, and we're speaking of the word endoxus, glorious, that he might present unto himself one of high esteem, one held in high honor, one that is gorgeous and splendid and noble, clothed in nobility and honor, illustrious. All right, and we talked about the laver of baptism there, verse 26, about how being washed by the washing of the word, and it represents baptism, gets us ready. And then the declaration of the word, declaring that we are his favored sons and daughters, that we are his bride, okay? We talked about that quite a bit already. You can go back and listen to the other episodes if you have not done so already. And I want to just continue on now. And I want to read the rest of the chapter, and we're going to be done here with this example. There's three relationships, and this is the first one. The other two, I believe next week, we're going to try to do both of them will be parents and children and then uh, employees and bosses. And then we'll be be done, and then we'll get into uh, what I call the crescendo of Ephesians chapter, of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, about the armor of God. So, Let's go ahead and let's look at these verses here. Let's look at these verses. Verses, we're back at verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 28, treat your wife as your own body. Why? Because both of you are now one. We sang that song, we're one. That's the mystery. He's making making the man and the woman one in matrimony and marriage because it typifies the church and the bride of Christ. We've said that a lot. Just as Christ will be one with his bride, these examples are parallel to one another. We went through and we just picked apart this verse last week from verse 22 to the end and showed the contrast back and forth. It couldn't just possibly be talking about marriage between a man and a woman, but Paul himself says in the verse that it represents the bride of Christ and the church. He, he says this right in the passage. So this is typological. The marriage relationship is typological of the bride of Christ and the church being united together. And, you know, we talked about how holy and sacred that is. You know, it's the church is washed and prepared and presented glorious. And that's why it's so sad that we, and I don't want to get a lot into it, since I left high school 50 years ago, it's been so commonplace for men and women. They're not married, but they live together. You know, they don't put any sacred value on marriage that God does. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that, but they're breaking the type. You know, when you go around and you live with different individuals, you know, on and off with different ones, you know, that just destroys the type. It's like in the scripture I shared last week about how it talked about how times when the nation of Israel went away from God, he likened them to going out and playing the harlot, going out into adultery. So that's all I'll say about that. So verse 29, that's a beautiful verse too. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, 
just as the Lord does the church. You know, the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. Jesus nourishes and cherishes us, doesn't he? He loves us with an everlasting love, and he nourishes us. He feeds us if we'll listen to his voice and we'll spend time before him. Nourish means nourisheth it up, you know, feeds it up, brings it up to maturity. The word here refers to receiving food for internal sustenance as well, both internal and external. Cherishes pertains to clothing and raiment. You know, my dad used to take me out as a little boy and he loved to get me Sunday school, Sunday church outfits. I had a double-breasted suit coat. I had other suit coats. He loved to dress me up. He cherished me in that way. And Christ Jesus is dressing us up in him. He's putting beautiful raiment on us. 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, Your bodies are the members of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, You are the body of Christ and members in particular. So he's, he's nourishing you. He's cherishing you. He's putting you on display. We've talked about that before too. Let's go to verse 30 then. For we are members of his body, of the flesh of his flesh and bones. We are members of his body, of his flesh and bones. Again, we're talking about Jesus and his bride. We're not talking about the marriage now. It's going deeper. And we separated those out last week and showed you that. Verse 30, Christ nourishes and cherishes the church as being one flesh with him, right? We're one with him, just as a man will nourish and cherish or should nourish and cherish his wife. Literal. Because, this is literal Greek, because we are members of his body, being of his flesh and bones. That's what, how the Greek language is, explains it, or expresses it, I should say. Christ nourishes and cherishes us. Why? Because we are members of his body, being of his flesh and bone. The Greek language here expresses being formed out of the substance of his flesh. Remember Adam and Eve? Eve was taken out of Adam's side. See, there's the typology there. Let's look at 531, which I took the title from today. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and a mother and mother and be joined to his wife, and that two shall become one flesh. One plus one no longer equals two. One plus one equals one. This is a a quote of Genesis 2.24 and a perfect picture of the marriage relationship. The two and we've talked about that a lot now, shall become one. Just like those two oxen in a marriage, the man and wife learn to pull together in purpose and in desire and in what they're doing in their lives, like two oxen pulling together. You know, they work together. They work in tandem. They both bring their gifts to the marriage and they complement each other. They don't compete with each other or contend with each other. They complement each other. You know, my wife has strengths that I don't have, and I have strengths that she doesn't have, and we complement each other. That's the way that God meant it to be in a marriage. And Jesus complements and strengthens us. And we bring things, I believe, before God because the way that he created us. We co-work together with him. It's just not all God, but it's us as well. You know, We have a say in the relationship. We're more than just robots. We're more than just slaves. He has now called us friends, the scripture says as well. Okay, Romans 6, 5 here for cross-reference. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection life like his. Matthew nineteen six, 
So they are no longer two. This is another reference, another cross-reference, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, and this is so important, let no man separate. What God has joined together. Oh, if you're becoming one, if you're one with your husband and wife, and she's one with the husband, that they're becoming one, let no man separate that. It's a beautiful, perfect type. Mystery. He says in verse 32, let me read that. This is a great mystery or mysterion, something that's been shut up, that hasn't been understood. And we've talked a lot about that in Ephesians. I think Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 talk about Paul being the apostle to the Gentile church to open up the mysterion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is part of that mysterion, Christ and the church being brought together as one, the apex of what? God desired in all creation to have a bride for his son, to be united together in the end of time. You know, I looked up the word because today when I'm recording this, we're talking about Joseph Biden being inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States. And inauguration talks about something that's put on display that's new and going into something new. You know, when Jesus and the bride are united as one, that'll be a new, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be a new work done. And even now, there's a new season, I believe, in the church where he's calling those, wooing those to be his bride. He's calling out to them and he's calling a bride. We must reverence God as a wife. We must reverence, verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. You see, you're no longer yourself. You're one plus one equals one. She's part of you and you're part of her. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. We must reverence God as a wife shows respect for her husband. We must reverence God in the same way. We must reverence our wives in the same way as husbands. Is that not true? So we have finished that section. And I couldn't help but think, because the two shall be one. One plus one equals one. You know, a few years ago, I spent quite a few months just, God kept taking me back to John 17. Jesus' prayer for the disciples the night before he, his high priestly prayer, before he was going to the crucifixion. And first of all, there's like five times here that I picked out in John. There may be more. John 10.30 says, I, meaning Jesus, and the Father are one. And then we're going to read through here because this is so beautiful. I've got about 10 minutes here and then we'll be done. Jesus spoke these things, raising his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Remember, we've been talking about the church presented glorious. This kind of ties into that. He wanted to be glorified so the Son and God could both be glorified. He wants to bring about this pure, spotless bride to bring God, to bring Jesus glory. Verse 2, just as you gave him authority over all, just as you gave him authority over all mankind so that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, I glorified you on the earth by accomplishing the work which you have given me to do. So beautiful, parallel to the bride of Christ. You know, her ministry is going to be to glorify Jesus and glorify the Father. Verse 5, and now you, Father, glorify 
me together with yourself. See, that's the apex, to be glorified together with God. We're part of this too as the bride of Christ. And now you, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. Okay, I've revealed your name to the men whom you gave me. It's talking about the disciples. They've come to know that everything which you have given me is from you. Right, everything he's given them and now given us, it's for them, it's for you. It's from you, I should say. It's for us. For the words which you gave me, I have given them. They received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. We understand that as his sons and daughters, do we not? Jesus was a son. We understand that too. And they believe that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on the behalf of those whom you have given me, because they are yours. And he's talking about the disciples, but that applies to us also. That applies to you and I just as well. Okay? And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. So he's been glorified in the disciples. He's been glorified in us, his bride, as well. Let me see. I'm no longer going to be in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one, I love this verse, just as we are one. The bride of Christ being made one with Jesus, and we being made one with Jesus and the Father as well. Let me read that again. I am no longer going to be in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you've given me. Why? So that they may be made one, just as we are one. And I sang about that today. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name. And see, he's keeping us in his name. You've given me, and I've guarded them. He's guarded us. And not one of them perished, except the son of destruction. He's talking about Jesus there, Judas there. Verse 13, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full. Oh, the love relationship of a man and woman should be full joy when they're becoming one. The love relationship between Jesus and his bride should be made as they become one is full of joy. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world. See, we're not of the world, men and women of God, are we? We're the bride of Christ, just as I am not of the world. Here's this other word we talked about, about the bride being sanctified and set apart. Here it says, verse 17, sanctify them, that is, set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. And we talked about being washed in the word and declaring the word, did we not? Verse 26 of Ephesians 5, just as as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And he's sending us into the world. He's talking about the disciples, but it it applies to us. It's a greater, greater prophecy, a greater promise to us. It's a prayer. He wasn't just praying for the disciples of that time. He was praying for the disciples from that time till the end of time, see? And for their sakes, I sanctify or I set myself apart. We talked about sanctification. He set himself apart so they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. The bride of Christ will be sanctified, set apart in truth, washed in the laver, remember? Sanctified by the word. I'm not asking on behalf of these alone, but also, here's the greater prophecy, the other disciples from now to the end of the world, 
but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be, here we are again, one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. That's powerful. Speaking about the bride of Christ and Jesus being made one, so the world knows that God is in us because Jesus and us are one. The bride of Christ will be brought together in such a powerful way. It won't just be brought together and united and then boom, it's gone. They're gone in the rapture, but we're going to have a ministry and we're going to bring many more into this bride. There's going to be great uh, revival and great uh, restoration, I believe, yet before the world ends. And many are going to come to the truth of Jesus being Lord, of the truth of being united with God as one, the apex of all creation, like I told you, to present himself unto himself, a glorious bride. That's the apex. That's what he's doing in this day. That they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. See, that's the key. Being in him, being in Christ, being in God, so that the world may believe that you sent me. It's that oneness. It's that unity of purpose, of working together in love, that they're going to know that we're from God, that we're going to know, they're going to know that God sent Jesus and sent us. The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them. See, he's given us glory, has he not? He's glorifying the bride. We talked about that. Ephesians 5, 28, I believe, that he might present himself unto himself a bride glorious, so that they may be one just as we are one. Wow, the glory. That's what makes us one, that presence of God, of cleansing us, of purifying us, that makes us one. I in them, this is what I sang about, I in them and you in me, that they may be completed or perfected in unity. Why? Remember, I back way back on the podcast, I talked about, you can go back and listen to those. They're good episodes. Chaos was the antidote. I'm sorry, unity was the antidote to chaos. A lot of chaos and confusion now, but unity is the antidote to that. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, bring about unity that will dispel all chaos and confusion, right? Because we're one in him and he's one in us. We're one in the bride together with Jesus. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, see, he's given, he's given, uh, you've been given to him, okay? If you've accepted him as your savior, you've been given over to him. You're his. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me for where I am. That's right. You can be with him today. He's not just in heaven, but it says in Ephesians 2, 6, I believe that we're seated in heavenly places so we can be with him there today so that where I am, they may see my glory. That's where you're going to see his glory. We're not down here just, you know, soldiering through the world with no hope. We're seated in heavenly places above all this earth. And we see things from a heavenly perspective because we've been given his glory. Father, I desire, verse 24, that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. That is in the heavenly places so that they may see my glory. That's where you're going to find his glory. That's where you're going to see from his perspective. That's where you're going to be made one in him. See my glory, which you have given me for you loved me 
from the foundation of the world. We've talked about that before, too, on the podcast. I'm not talking about Calvinism, that you know, you're just chosen in a robotic way. I've talked a lot on this podcast about choosing to be chosen. When you choose to be chosen by him, it's a beautiful thing. He doesn't let you go. And he's seen that because he sees everything and he knows everything. Don't ask me to explain that. But he's loved you and known that you will choose to be chosen from the beginning of time. And he's loved you and has been excited about having a relationship with you, about you becoming his bride, right? Righteous Father, verse 25, although the world has not known me, known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. See, we know that Jesus was sent by God. We know the apex of what his plan was to have a bride. We've been talking about that for three weeks now. And I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them, I in them. That's the apex, my friend, the bride of Christ and the church. Uh, Us as the bride of Christ is a church being made one with Jesus so that the world will know that God sent, sent us, that God sent Jesus and then sent us and put glory upon us, that many would be brought into that. Oh, friend, that's the apex of the gospel. Let me read that again. Got to pull up my paper here once again. I got to reach for it because I'm so excited. That he himself might present unto himself the church glorious that he himself might present unto himself the church and doxus of high esteem, held high in honor, gorgeous, splendid, noble, clothed in nobility and honor, illustrious. That's what he's doing in this day and age. That's what he's doing. That's what this inauguration, if we want to talk about an inauguration season, he's inaugurating a new season and a new time. He's presenting something new the bride of Christ that will walk down the aisle of the world, as it were, and knock the world off its feet in the love that this bride, as the bride of Christ, exudes and the the love of God that flows through her. Be blessed, my friends. Thank you for coming to the Kingdom Corner podcast for another episode, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.